Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. It is my pleasure to introduce today's guest, Victoria Linux. Victoria is the co-founder and CEO of Startup Canada, the national rallying community supporting and giving a voice to Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Victoria is recognized by the United Nations Development Program and the European Union as one of the foremost experts in entrepreneurship education, ecosystem and program architecture, governance, development and implementation, and in fueling entrepreneurship movements and awareness campaigns. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Thanks for having me, Edwin. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm really excited just to have you because for those out there, not only do I see Victoria as a leader, but she's also a very good friend and a colleague of mine. So why don't we just start off there, Victoria? (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we start off? Who are you? Who is Victoria? What are you up to? And perhaps some of the journey of becoming a national and perhaps a global leader in entrepreneurship. Well, I won't go into a monologue uh, for the benefit of your listeners, Edwin, but uh, at a high level, hi, my name's Victoria Lennox. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Startup Canada. As Edwin mentioned, we work with entrepreneurs across the country, and our goal is to make Canada the best country in the world to start and grow a business. I am a social entrepreneur, and Startup Canada is uh, my fourth or fifth social venture, I've had previously another big social venture called NACU in the UK, the National Association of College and University Entrepreneurs. And that organization is now seven years old. It's fully government funded, uh, that entity, and it supports more than 85,000 students a year across the United Kingdom to build entrepreneurial skills while in school. Um, so Startup Canada has been an amazing venture for me, and it's been a privilege to work with people like you, Edwin, entrepreneurs who are killing it across Canada. Uh, and why I love Startup Canada so much in the venture I'm on is that as a social entrepreneur, even though we're a nonprofit, the Startup Canada business model is very entrepreneurial. We don't get any operating funding and we don't seek government funding so that we could provide policy and advocacy support to government to advance the conditions for startup success. So um, it's a very entrepreneurial business model. So we're five years old now. We've beaten the odds. Uh, but what I love about it is the people I get to work with every day and the the impact that I think that we're making, not only in Canada, but globally. That's amazing, Victoria. And I do, I do see the impact of Startup Canada all the way to the grassroots and people talking. I do take part on some of the programs that are there, <laughs> uh, a Twitter chat. It's um, it's a uh, it's a it's a fairly <laughs> popular one, so it's it's pretty great. But yeah. uh, one thing, one thing that interested me, Victoria, and perhaps you could share it real quickly is you're been focused with entrepreneurs for at least seven years from your first social enterprise. Maybe if you could share with everyone how you started focusing on entrepreneurship, because I don't believe that was your your first goal coming into a career. (laughs) No, it wasn't at all. So like most Canadians, um, at least one of our family members tend to be newcomers to Canada. So my parents uh, graduated from high school and my dad was from Portugal and was a newcomer. And education was always a big priority for my family. 
So I was always just wanting to be of service, to make an impact, uh, to, to leave a mark like many millennials. Um, and education was seen as the conduit within which I could, you know, create a better life for myself, given what my parents sacrificed. Um, and, and that's the story of most Canadians. So I came to the University of Ottawa because it was the closest university to Parliament Hill. And I did my undergrad at Ottawa U with politics and uh, political science. I had only ever been exposed to policy and politics as a means of changing the world. I didn't know about entrepreneurship. And so I decided to go to the closest university to Parliament Hill. And it was a great experience. I got to work for MPs. I worked for think tanks. I worked for government. I worked for private sector consulting firms. But none of it really fit for me. And then I thought, well, maybe I want to work in an emerging market or in, in the development sector. So I worked in a micro um, microfinance uh, and entrepreneurship program. I didn't know what it was. Uh, to me, I was working at a nonprofit in Ghana. It was awesome. Um, but I didn't make the connection with entrepreneurship at that time. Tried a summer uh, with a really cool student program called ISEC in Beijing. Uh, to see if I actually wanted to establish roots in Beijing. And I still didn't feel like, you know, I wanted to work in, in, in that context. So I went back to school, uh, being education driven and having those core values embedded in me. And I had the opportunity under a Commonwealth scholarship to go to Oxford for global governance and diplomacy. And it was a great program, but really what brought me to entrepreneurship was just showing up one day at a freshers fair where you see all of the student clubs. And there was the photography club and the dance club and the rowing club, etc. But then there was this club called Oxford Entrepreneurs. And uh, they were marketing the club with pictures of people like Nelson Mandela, Mohamed Yanis. And I'm like, that's the type of impact I want to leave. This is the, these are the type of people I want to hang out with. And I really found my tribe. So I attended my first Oxford Entrepreneur event um, a few months into um, into my master's. And it was like love at first sight. Um, I, there was a keynote speaker. His name was Levi Roots. He was this big Rasta man who came in mm-hmm. with a, this guitar and he had previously pitched on the, on the BBC's Dragon's Den. Um, and he had this amazing salsa, like, you know, the salsa that you dip into chips. Yum, salsa. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he was singing about his salsa. And it it inspired me that this man, through his product, uh, was creating jobs, creating opportunities, but also the values embedded in his product were all about helping people to rediscover their roots. um, Because it was his grandmother's recipe from Jamaica. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just love what entrepreneurship can do for people in communities. And it really just elevates everybody. Um, and so I became the president of Oxford Entrepreneurs, um, first female president. Uh, and nice. it's a huge student club. Like it's its own institution. Um, it has 13,000 members, um, across all campuses. And I became a huge advocate for student led entrepreneurship activities. And that led me into my first, um, uh, first, uh, charity in the UK. But man, oh man, Edwin, it really was about, um, engaging in community, getting out there. And seeing just hearing the story of this amazing entrepreneur who I would maybe never have met had I not gone to a student club event. And he not only changed my career, um, but he, he gave my career focus. And because of that one sense of inspiration, that little gold dust that he gave, that story he told, it's since supported, you know, all of these kids every year in the UK um, helped economies across the world who have adopted the NACU model. 
as well as, you know, really inspired me to take on Startup Canada and hopefully do something important here. You just never know where connections will lead and how important it is just to tell your story and who that could impact. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you literally went, traveled the world to find love at first entrepreneurship, I guess, so to speak. Uh, and, and it's an amazing story and, and how you just really dove into it. And especially the Oxford entrepreneurs, not only did you like their mission, but you ended up being part of it and, and leading it. So that that's great. That's a great accomplishment. But I guess just to bring it back down to earth and, and really understand who Victoria is, why don't we talk just, just real quickly, just a, the day in the life of Victoria. I mean, I know firsthand for you managing Startup Canada and also representing Canada in some trade missions around the world. How do you find balance in your life? What, what do you do? Like, what's, <laughs> what's, what's, what's your secret? Or are you still trying to figure it out? Uh, I, I think I would love to point that question back at you, Edwin, because I think you have it mastered. Um, but uh, for me, uh, the startup stage is all consuming. Um, and I really don't think that you can do it justice if you're not all in. Um, and Startup Canada did take me a lot longer to start up than my first nonprofit because of its business model. Uh, my first nonprofit, Edwin, was fully government funded. So mm-hmm. that was my business model, right? So I was able to focus on execution and delivering impact and building at the model. With Startup Canada, there's also that very entrepreneurial component, finding customers, value propositions, return on investment, etc. And everything that goes into that. So it really, Startup Canada has taken me twice as long as I thought it would. Um, but I think the methodology has created authenticity and has helped us to serve Canada better. Um, a day in a life for me has improved for sure. Uh, now that Startup Canada has been running for two years with staff, um, previously it was fully volunteer run, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we've had staff for two years, you know, there's people who are taking on roles. So I do have a bit more work life balance and I can put time in towards, you know, growing the organization. And that is global. Canada is such a small market. Um, and so for me, I've always had this global appetite, this global, this global propensity. And so I see Startup Canada doing more and more global. I do take time every night for yoga. At nine o'clock, I'm at the yoga studio. That's really important to me. Um, and just more self-care with nutrition and things like that. Um, like many entrepreneurs, it's hard to get in all of the sleep that you need. But I think um, valuing yourself just as much as you value your 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 enterprise is really important because ultimately the success of your enterprise is a true reflection of who you are as a founder and as an entrepreneur. Um, your team matters greatly, but your team gets their signals from you um, and and your priorities and values. So I think. Um, you know, the values I've adopted, um, once we, you know, refined our business model and, uh, nailed our team and we've been on track for two years now. I think, um, I think it's all about health and wellness. It's all about, um, ambition and hustle. Um, and for Canada, it's all about going global. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really great to hear that 
you're finding and you're scheduling in that time, right, to do the yoga. I know for myself, I try to schedule in my running time mm, or, or my, yeah. my morning ritual. I mean, it, it's <laughs> definitely it's it's been definitely a challenge uh, for me because <laughs> of having having a young child at home. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's up to us. Uh, one, one thing you were mentioning in terms of the reflection in your organization, it's up to us as the organizational leader to really have those values and stick to it because ultimately your your organization your team members will value will take that upon them and and if your people are healthy mm. and happy and well balanced it, it will definitely come back so I, I really love that you're you're putting a lot of focus and, and the organization is growing so that will allow you to do that because i know for startup canada not only were you were doing the hustle the grind there were so many pivots as well coming through to, mm-hmm. to where you are today. So it, it's amazing to see that journey. So uh, that's awesome stuff. So just moving on, I guess, because we're talking about Startup Canada, uh, maybe you could tell us more about its mission. And from my, my standpoint, even more importantly, how the mission is connecting the entrepreneurial communities in Canada and also how it's emp- empowering entrepreneurs to rise and become community leaders. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you see from your viewpoint as success and what else needs to be done I mean on the community level or even as uh, on on the startup Canada level from from the national core Yeah I I mean it's definitely um uh startup Canada's vision hasn't yet been fully realized the the vision Edwin is that Startup Canada be the household name for entrepreneurship, just like the United Way for our nonprofit sector, mm-hmm. where when, you know, Jade is at the table speaking one day and uh, when, uh, you know, children are around the table with their parents and they say, I have an idea, then their parents can say, awesome, let's get you onto Startup Canada and let's get you started. Um, and so that it's part of our mainstream culture of entrepreneurship uh, and entrepreneurs are valued in our society and that there's a real meaningful network of support for them uh, that's going to help them all the way from startup to scaling to global to global feats because when entrepreneurs succeed our communities and our economy thrives and the world is better for the products and services that we create so I think um, for Startup Canada's vision to be fully realized it, it's kind of like boiling the ocean a little bit Edwin because mm-hmm. we're trying to change culture and what we're also trying to do is to align resources and interests, but the alignment of resources and interests of the accelerators, incubators, research parks, investors, etc., only transforms when the culture transforms. And so what what Startup Canada has done in the strategy, and the strategy is killing it, it's all about startup communities. And startup communities are the infrastructure upon which we are going to build Canada in, in, into an innovation nation. Um, startup communities are the tracks of the railroad that we're building, connecting all of Canada's innovation infrastructure. And what's beautiful about startup communities is that they're entrepreneur-led and they're grassroots and they don't take a penny of taxpayer dollars. It's all about Canadians working together to build the Canada that they want with an entrepreneurial spirit. And so I think it's a, a beautiful dream and it's actualizing quite rapidly. So the startup community, Startup Canada has uh, 34 startup communities as of today. Um, we're really excited that Bow Valley in Alberta, as well as Nelson, BC, they were just approved as communities la- last week. We'll have 100 communities by the end of the year. Every startup community across Canada is entrepreneur-led, 
It's inclusive of anyone who wants to join. It's not cliquey or nichey. It's, it's totally for anyone who wants to be part of it. Tech, mompreneur, uh, Etsy designer. If you're an entrepreneur, we want you in the network. It's about continual events that constantly create opportunities for collisions like startup drinks, startup weekends, demo camps, these types of events that get the investors, and the service providers and the entrepreneurs constantly connecting. Uh, that's where businesses are created and, and new markets are found. Um, and that have a long-term vision for our country and our communities. So 25 years out. So Startup Canada is all about building that long-term vision of creating an entrepreneurial nation from the ground up. And that that's exactly what we've been doing. The what it's really done for entrepreneurs, oftentimes entrepreneurs, you know, they just go it alone. Most entrepreneurs don't interact with government or government resources outside of paying taxes. Uh, in our last census of our members, only 5% of our community leverages any government support outside of, you know, interacting to pay their taxes. So more, more or less, you know, if we're putting public funds into Canada's innovation infrastructure through incubators, accelerators, etc. We have to ask ourselves to what end? Uh, and where's this money going? I mean, it's hard to earn taxpayer dollars and it's hard to pay corporate taxes. Um, it's hard to be an entrepreneur, period. Um, and so we, we want to make sure that the taxes we are paying are going towards building a more productive economy. And so what the, what the community model has done is it's elevated the importance of entrepreneurs in our society, saying the entrepreneur is actually more important than the incubator. The incubator is very important in context, but it exists to support the success of the entrepreneur. Um, and it, it just kind of aligns priorities. And what it does is it, it elevates some of the entrepreneurs in the community who might have a bit more political acuity and community acumen to actually rise up as leaders and kind of be the voice for their community and their constituency. So you can almost see the startup community leaders across Canada as little members of parliament for the startup community, for the new vision of Canada, um, of one that embraces uh, entrepreneurship and innovation and sees a better way of doing Doing things that's more sustainable and prosperous for everybody, aligned with Canadian values of strength and diversity and inclusivity. So uh, I think what it's really done is it's really empowered the entrepreneurship community across Canada. It's created a more inclusive entrepreneurship in community across Canada. So it isn't tech and everybody else. It's tech empowering everybody else and everybody else empowering tech. Um, and it's also engaged entrepreneurs in the democratic process. Half of our work at Startup Canada is lobbying government policy and advocacy work to advocate for the conditions for entrepreneurial success. But unlike other organizations, we don't do that by being the voice for the entrepreneurs in the capital. Our methodology, Edwin, is to actually engage the community leaders and the entrepreneurs in the democratic process. Whenever we're asked to testify, there's an entrepreneur community leader sitting right beside us. Um, so we're not just a big lobby organization in government. In fact, we're lean and mean. We're getting things done on the ground while we put entrepreneurs at the table to share their situations so that we can create better policies for the future. So I really think um, 
you know, if I look at the grand scheme of things of where Startup Canada is in realizing its vision, we're five years into a 25-year vision. And so we're right on track. This year, we're scaling to 100 communities. That'll represent every constituency across Canada. Um, and that'll be the foundation upon which we can foster the implementation of some important programming uh, to help entrepreneurs to, to scale. So I hope that that kind of illuminates a little bit, but it's all about people to people and it's all about how these communities help entrepreneurs and it's all about networks. So what I love about startup at the end of the day is not only are we advocating for a better environment quite aggressively, but we are actually building that environment ourselves. That That's, that's amazing. You really... Uh articulated the vision and the dream i i could see it as well i could feel it as well and it, and it's great that there is a focus on building around the entrepreneur because that's that's number one like you said that's what's the most important thing in building around it and how it's growing along that i, I like how you said that it's building the railroad tracks and really <laughs> and and really connecting the cities and the communities mm-hmm. because ultimately the railroad across Canada took a long time as well, <laughs> and when it and it, when it connected, it really made sense, and that culture of Canada became Canada, and we're all together. Yes. So, so I yes. love I love the dream. I'm in it. You know that two <laughs> feet in. It's great. I, I guess what I'm curious about, I you and I rarely see each other. I mean, we have small talks when we do see mm. we see each mm. other. But what are I know you're only in year five of a 25 mm. year. Um, plan, but where you are as CEO, co-founder, like what are the struggles that you typically are facing leading? <laughs> like basically you're leading a national movement. So what are they or how are they and, and, and how are you overcoming them? Well, I mean, I confront on a daily basis the struggle that most founders confront as they're growing an organization. So whether it's cash flow or it's human resources, um, retention, upskilling, preparing to scale, every entrepreneurial experience faced by a tech founder or any founder for that, right, we face at Startup Canada. So when we hit our five years as an organization, I was like, yay, we beat the odds. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You know, because, you know, as a volunteer organization, you never stop. But to actually have a established, you know, nonprofit that with sustainable revenue streams without operating funding, et cetera, it, 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 it was a huge accomplishment. But I mean, those, as you scale, um, your impact, as you scale, um, your network, um, those challenges just keep uh, augmenting. So a lot of it right now, I echo a lot of the tech community. It really is about talent. Um, and for me, it's also about capital and cash flow. And one of the challenges we have in Canada is around social innovation and our social entrepreneurial economy. As a social entrepreneur, I can be a company or I can be a nonprofit. Uh, at a national level. So there's still a lot of work to be done to help uh, creative financing vehicles for social innovators and entrepreneurs to affect change in a social model. But all of that to be said, we always, we always rise above and we get it done. But when it comes to actually building Startup Canada, I put that very separately from building the, the nonprofit and the business behind Startup Canada. There are many challenges, Edwin. Mm-hmm. Um, from political buy-in um, and political willingness to local politicking in, in startup communities where incubators and accelerators might 
feel as though that they have a God-given mandate to own the innovation community and stifling out creative economy at the local level. I think a lot of that has sorted itself out over the last five years, but the first five years were really tough. A lot of territorial politicking mm -hmm. and a lack of political will, to be frank. That's really shifted um, with the engagement of entrepreneurs more fulsomely consulted in the democratic process. With Startup Canada rising as a voice for the community and being respected as that voice. And we're seen to be important partners, not only to talk to, but to work with in delivering the support in involved. But it just takes time. I think nothing happens overnight. Everything costs twice as much, takes twice as long as you think it will. But particularly in this industry, uh, it's, it's getting through all of that. Um, and that's why I love working with entrepreneurs, because you cut through all of the politics and you just get down to business and business and the return on investment is the return on investment for Canada in terms of the number of jobs we're going to create. One of my goals is to see the 4.6% of companies that are scale-ups in Canada grow to 6%. That will dramatically change our economy um, and help us to rethink how we use our natural resources. So. It's all very interesting. I think the opportunity we have ahead, though, is we have a new trade minister. He was just appointed two weeks ago. Um, we have a new trade commissioner for Canada, Ailish Campbell, who's a rock star here in the capital. We have Startup Canada, who's been working with global affairs for years. I think together, the, the coming together of those three pieces could mean amazing things for Canadian entrepreneurs to increase their ex their propensity to go global, as well as their ability to go global. So I think, you know, the stars are really aligning for a scale-up economy if we're all working together. Um, but definitely local politicking and, and the, um, and the political will are critical. Uh, that doesn't stop us from continuing to build this innovation economy from the ground up. But man, it can help to accelerate the process if you have the coming together of all of it. The second key trend that I'm so excited about is really the rise of the rest, the rural and remote communities. Startup Canada is present in all the major cities, and where we're seeing the most incredible growth is rural and remote communities, where the kids are leaving, the towns are dying, industries are shifting, there's no more manufacturing or mining, etc. And so there's no choice but to innovate. And so when you have innovation out of necessity, that's innovation with urgency. And so that's where we can really, you know, take a footing. And I think that's very exciting. But, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of challenges along the way. And what keeps me motivated is the entrepreneurs like you that I get to work with every day who keep us motivated. Um, and knowing that we're working for something greater than ourselves, I think, is also very motivating. That's great. I mean... It's very motivating knowing someone like yourself, Victoria, especially because you're leading a, a large platform, a national platform. And because, you know, I want to get more into talking about leadership and, and your style. What I found interesting was during your first social enterprise, actually now, now that we were talking, I'm not even sure it was your first social enterprise, but the National Association of the College University Entrepreneurs, I think you call it NACU, mm -hmm. you were also undergoing chemotherapy for Hodgkin lymphoma. I mean, from that procedure, unfortunately, you, you went bald. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't even imagine. And, and I guess what really oppressed upon me was that you learned how to lead from behind, like taking a step mm. back from the front and taking away your ego. And 
obviously as frustrating as an experience that you were going through. How did it? How did that actually help you grow as a leader and your leadership style? Oh well, I mean, it was only in hindsight can you appreciate.、Um, but what it really forced me to do. So I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a form of cancer.、Um, while I was finishing up my master's, and just after I had accepted the full-time role with Oxford Entrepreneurs,、um, and the Said Business School at Oxford, they weren't comfortable with me being the president of Oxford Entrepreneurs while I was going through treatment. But I assured them I could do it. You know, this wasn't going to phase me,、um, and so they did put some trust in me to do it. And as a young woman, it was it was tough to lose my hair for sure, you know. Especially, I was definitely a girly girl, so that was one of the because it was the physical representation of what was happening with me internally. So I didn't quite like that.、Um, but what I found I had to do is really step back and really lead from behind, as you said, and empower my team. So a lot of working directly with each of the team members of Oxford Entrepreneurs in order to empower them to step up as leaders and entrepreneurs within the organization、um, to really help it to grow and to thrive.、Um, and I learned a lot about taking a step back.、Um, a lot of people they knew my name, but they didn't know me because I was、uh, very. Very much in the background, it was always my team in the for in the forefront, and so I think that's also how I lead、uh, NACU and how I lead Startup Canada. I really try to put the community leaders in the forefront,、um, let the let the entrepreneurs shine as hosts and at, as the face of the organization. Um, and let the users drive it. And so I learned so much about empowering teams, leading from behind, and just getting immense satisfaction and gratification from the growth of my team. And that hasn't changed since then. I really get a kick out of my team excelling and thriving and growing. And I'm hugely invested into their future, whether within my organization or as they move on. I really care deeply for their success. So I think that's what it taught me the most. So yeah, I think there's always a silver lining with these experiences, Edwin. And、um, I think they remind you and 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 kind of nudge you into. They help to shape to who you are at the end of the day. And it's really been a formative thing in my leadership style. No, definitely. I mean, it takes it takes something to get you to change on your outlook, and perhaps you always had that leadership style. I'm not sure, but ultimately, when you're getting a, a physical change in your life, it definitely forces you to do things differently and take a look at life differently as well. And I and I know for people who are growing as a leader as well, and having a leader to help them, I think it's super important that you're you you do it that way because. I mean, when you're there was a quote what I heard before. I'm not sure how it really goes, but you almost want to train people that they could leave because and get better jobs because ultimately、mm. you're you're helping them grow as a person as well, not only professionally,、mm. right? So that's awesome. I think I think you mentioned that you were the first president of、uh, the UK, the entrepreneurs Oxford entrepreneurs. So that's a huge accomplishment. And you're very active in women initiatives. I know, looking back at, in your history, you started the Council of Women in Politics, Women in Progress.、Uh, yeah. I think recently, Startup Canada released the Women's Entrepreneurship Fund. So, tell us 
how these projects and initiatives help the growth of women leaders in Canada, in the world, and obviously, what else needs to be done now? Yeah, I, I think I think similarly to entrepreneurs, um, and it's just like uh, other groups too. Whether it's the the Black International Forum in Montreal. Um, or the Chinese um, Chamber of Commerce in Toronto, I do feel like it's valuable for women to come together to support one another. We tend to start lifestyle businesses, stats show. We tend to grow slower. We tend to be more successful and sustainable. But we also tend not to get capital. Um, we tend uh, not to be able to break through the glass ceiling. Uh, where you tend not to get major procurement bids. Um, and those tendencies are absolute and quantifiable. So we need to be helping each other more. And we also need to, you know, gain the support of male champions who understand that there are systemic challenges to women in growing companies um, and who want to champion women entrepreneurs as well, because that's good for our families and our communities and our economy. So all of the activities I undertake for women entrepreneurs is not to the exclusion of male entrepreneurs. It really is to, you know, uh, identify and address, yes, there's a systemic challenge and let's support one another in tackling it, you know, one business at a time. I think um, what I like about uh, what Startup Canada has been able to do around women entrepreneurs is really raise the profile uh, and uh, call out um, some of the systemic challenges um, and work with government in order to apply a gendered lens to some of their programs and services for entrepreneurs. Edwin, if you go into the Center for Social Innovation, you'll see men and women. Mm-hmm. If you go into uh, and, and you'll see them, you'll see them on par. Um, but if you go into a tech accelerator incubator, I won't name names, you will see white guys. Um, and it's quite a homogenous group. And increasingly, we're seeing diversity, um, but we're not seeing diversity in gender. And so we need to, we need to be very proactive about that. Even programs like, uh, in Communitech, they have a program specifically targeting women. Uh, here in Ottawa, whenever there's appointments for boards and things like that, the, the, the roster is short. The, the issue is that there aren't, no, are no women entrepreneurs. It's that it takes a bit extra work to call them out to participate because they have higher priorities as well, including family, et cetera. So there's a, there's a lot of work we need to do in this space. One of the areas I'm most passionate about right now is procurement. How do we buy more from women-owned startups? Or how do we just buy more from startups generally? But in particular, women-owned startups or indigenous-owned startups. And so, you know, working with Minister Foote's office, our Minister for Procurement um, and Public Works, and seeing how we can reform procurement in Canada as Trump opens up NAFTA <laughs> <laughs> to, to actually make it possible uh, for, for us to, you know, really, really make sure that our women can compete on the global stage. But that's just one instance. Um, we're working increasingly with the Business Development Bank of Canada to help to um, connect women to capital within their organization. I think there's a lot more we could do for women entrepreneurs, but most of it is trying to find partner organizations uh, who can make a difference, like Public Works and Procurement, like Business Development Bank of Canada, to help to champion these causes. 
Um, but Startup Canada, we celebrate, we shed light, we inspire, we connect. And so uh, we've made it a goal over the last year to do that for women entrepreneurs. I think it, it's been a good start. That's great. I think the work is important. And and do you see the, the gap changing, a gap closing as well with the work? Or is it a lot of work to be done? I mean, obviously, you know, and, and I guess I'm speaking on behalf of my my daughter, who's eight months old, but ultimately, <laughs> I know the challenge is there. So uh, the the work is important, and, and I'm definitely behind it. So do you see actually things making changes now? I do at a grassroots level, absolutely, for sure. Absolutely. There's organizations, grassroots organizations popping up like Chico System. Um, and there's a women uh, incubator in Toronto now. Amazing. There's Shio, uh, led by Vicky Sanders, which provides alternative financing for women. It's awesome. Mompreneur. <laughs> what a fun organization <laughs> for moms who are starting up. That's amazing. I think, I think it's coming at the grassroots level. I think, though, these are structural issues. So while we continue to advance the grassroots mobilization of female entrepreneurs, what we also need to do is to change the structures within which they operate. And so we need to keep pushing on those things. <laughs> Great. So keep it up. I, I definitely applause. And anything I could do, obviously, on my side, I'm, I'm there for the help. Um, yes. Yeah, we're definitely <laughs> we're definitely going longer than usual, but I, I think this always happens with uh, with me and you, Victoria. But uh, let's just this slowly. What, what's your biggest learning to date? Not only as an entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, but a leader in Canadian international entrepreneurship. Like, what is your vision for the future now? So last year, Edwin, I took a state visit with His Excellency the Governor General David Johnson to Israel, uh, Israel, Jordan, and the West Bank. And I've always seen entrepreneurship as one of the best tools for diplomacy, for development, um, for hope. Um, but never more than when I saw the conditions in um, some of the Syrian refugee camps in Jordan and so on. What I love about entrepreneurship is that it empowers people to take what's so special about them and give it to the world and share it with the world. And in doing so, impact and improve the lives of others around them. And so for me, you know, what's what's been really on my mind and one of the most imminent lessons that I'm excited about is the role of entrepreneurship in healing the world and creating hope, um, in combating extremism and fostering new channels for humanitarian aid to form into new sustainable strategies. And I'm just so excited by all of that. I want to be part of that. And I believe Canada has a role to play. Um, entrepreneurial diplomacy and social innovation go hand in hand with what it means to be Canadian and our humanitarian roles and values. So I think over the next coming months and years, um, I'll be playing more of a role in that area because I feel that uh, entrepreneurship is vital for Canada. 
Uh, it's vital for indigenous communities or rural and remote communities, as well as our urban centers, as we try to cure cancer <laughs> and these types of things. You know, we we need it for the world. Um, but where we need it most is we need it to create hope in places where there are none. Um, we need to empower entrepreneurs across the world with the tools that they need to create change in their communities. And so I'm I'm so excited about that and that possibility and those opportunities. Uh, so I'm starting to get involved in programs to that end. But I think um, entrepreneurship empowers everybody. That's what Startup Canada is all about. And I welcome any of the listeners of this podcast, if you agree, um, to check out Startup Canada and to get involved, sign up as a volunteer and let's start working together. And yeah, that's it. That's (laughs) awesome. I I mean, I, I love that how that trip opened your eyes in terms of how entrepreneurship could help in every every aspects of the world. I mean, I wasn't going to ask this, but since you did bring it up, you did take part, maybe not yourself personally, but in a in a startup weekend. And, and I did. Ha- I was there personally. I was there <laughs> and helped to launch a, so another social enterprise called Hope Fund. Isn't this very specific to what you were just talking about? Yeah, well, so after after I got back from the GG trip, I I was doing some soul searching and I'm just like, ah, the world is so broken. How can I make a difference? Well, wait a second. I'm an entrepreneur. I can make a difference. <laughs> um, and so I just went to a local startup weekend here in Ottawa, run at the University of Ottawa. And I haven't been to a startup weekend in over 10 years. I love startup weekends, but I know how. And I just went and I pitched an idea called the Hope Fund. And the Hope Fund was to be a peer lending platform for entrepreneurs in conflict zones, basically the Kiva for entrepreneurs in conflict zones. When you're starting up in a conflict zone, you have checkpoints, lack of mobility, imminent danger, like to your life, etc. So, and also we have all this humanitarian aid that isn't able to reach these people because of all of the sanctions and restrictions. So how do we get support to people so that they can help themselves? And so, um, yeah, with some kids over a weekend, we created the Hope Fund and, um, they're building it here in Ottawa. And I'm now an advisor and mentor and helping to support and incubate them at Startup Canada to help them to create a tool, a social platform for entrepreneurs in conflict zones to gain financing. So it, it's, it's just one way of making a difference. And I think, um, what I find Perseverance and resilience comes through an unfettering passion, you know, an unrelenting passion. And so these types of issues just impassion me so deeply that you can get over the politicking in the local communities or the lack of political impetus at a moment in time in a political cycle because the, the issues matter so deeply. But I think entrepreneurship will... It's, it's one of the things that will heal the world. Um, <laughs> education and entrepreneurship. That's great. So it's called the Hope Fund. The so Hopefund.org. The Hopefund.org. Take a look at that. Uh, definitely a great, a great initiative. And to close off, Victoria, um, what are your final thoughts, observations, or perhaps if you could provide any actionable recommendations that you can share to the social entrepreneur who's, who's listening and looking to lead a change? Well, if I'm speaking to the social entrepreneur, um, number one, you, you cannot, you cannot run on fumes. You need a business model. Um, so that's my biggest piece of advice to social entrepreneurs is you're, 
you will always be passionate about something, but you will burn out. Uh, so you need a business model to sustain your organization and to actualize your vision. To every entrepreneur, please get involved with Startup Canada and the startup community. What we're building here matters so deeply for our future and for our kids. We're building the foundations upon which we're going to be able to innovate and thrive and be a model for the world. And just for everybody out there in the startup community, just thanks for listening. And um, uh, if you feel like someone you know might benefit from hearing this podcast definitely share it thanks a lot victoria thank you for your time and we'll talk soon thank you edwin for having me a pleasure thank you for listening to today's episode of the business leadership podcast really enjoy today's episode with victoria lennox so grateful for the opportunity to just learn from her her leadership style what she's doing up in canada within the entrepreneurship community and throughout the world was really interesting for me to learn how she was able to lead from behind while she was going through those challenges and adversity at such a young career. So wish her all the luck and looking forward to seeing her grow as a leader as well. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Leadership Podcast, if you haven't done so, please subscribe on iTunes, leave me a comment, let me know how things are going and how I can improve this show. Until next time, Edwin Frondozo signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.